This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. Dominoes falling already in the NBA as we get set to kick off the draft and free agency and trade season. We'll talk about how it affects our local teams. But we obviously have to start on the diamond with our local baseball teams because it it does feel like danger zone. We can't have two mediocre to bad teams as we prep for the NFL season. Now I'm excited for football. Maybe the most excited I've ever been just because my favorite team, the Jets just signed already the best quarterback they've ever had. And also, you know, uh, intrigued by the year two of, Dable and Shane and what Daniel Jones can do fresh off of a big contract and hoping Saquon Barkley and the Giants can figure out a long-term deal so we can see this team in full force go for their second straight playoff berth. So I'm looking forward to football season. But in order to get there, we have to have some type of vibrancy, some type of electricity uh, in baseball. Something has to happen. Remember, not too long ago, there was this fantasy of a, a, a Subway Series, a repeat of 2000, because the Mets and the Yankees were expected to be contenders uh, fresh off of 100-plus win seasons last year. So I guess the Yankees only hit 99, but you get my point. We were, we were excited about the prospect of, of both of these teams going far. Now you look at what's happened in June, combined 9-20 and 20, for for our baseball teams, for for the Mets and the Yankees, a three ten winning percentage. Now, the Mets right now are actually winning. I know that's a shocker. Six to one up in or down, I should say, in Minute Maid Park against the the Houston Astros. Scherzer was was really good. Seven innings, four hits, just one run, seven strikeouts. You hope that maybe this is a sign to come uh, of good things if you're a Mets fan. So quite possibly, we could be talking about a Mets team that is an impressive four games under 500. That would be an improvement. Victory. Nice little W in that column. But uh, just to, to to go to the Yankees, and we'll keep you updated on the Mets game, that's the top of the eighth inning, 6-1. Mets uh, are at the plate. Tommy Pham's got a runner in scoring position. So looking to add a little bit of insurance. You know the Mets haven't had any leads. They weren't looking to blow this season, so this is uh, a big run if they can get him in. But we go to the Yankees. My question to the fans out there at 800-919-3776 is if I told you significant changes would come if this team missed the playoffs, be honest, be candid, what are you signing up for? Them getting to the postseason or them missing it? Significant changes come if they miss the playoffs. What are you actually rooting for? Because we know once they get in, anything can happen. We could we could finally retire the whole 14 years without a World Series. But I don't think anyone right now feels confident that's the direction we're heading into. So if I told you, yeah, you missed the playoffs, that's pretty damning that's an indictment of the front office and the manager so some, some significant changes happen what are you signing up for hit me up on twitter tidy butler 800-919-3776 frankly the yankees can no longer use the injury excuse 
because what we're watching is terrible baseball that can't just be written off as Aaron Judge not being part of the lineup. That's an excuse that is is quite frankly played out because the Yankees, I know, should not be expected to be a contender without Aaron Judge. Obviously, you, you lose your MVP. That is a significant blow. But if you remove him from the lineup, should you be an absolute dumpster fire? No. And that's what this Yankee team has just been lately. In 12 games they've played without him, they're 4-8, including four straight losses, and they can't score. To be this bad without him means that you're just simply not a very good team to begin with. And I could actually construct an argument that He's never looked more like an MVP than he does now because we see how woeful they have been without him. And if you were someone who questioned his worth, I actually have a friend who said to me, see, I told you, don't sign Aaron Judge. He's injury prone. When he's looking to get his contract, he's going to play every game, but as soon as he gets paid, he's going to get hurt. Now, I, I, would, I would deem that to be unfair, and I understand the injury history, but am I really going to – call him prone to injury when he runs into a wall, a concrete wall that really wasn't supposed to be there. I think that's unfair. But if you were someone who questioned whether or not the Yankees should have signed Aaron Judge, you're watching a baseball team right now that literally is limping without him. So I want to know how many fans, you go back to the offseason and you see the moves that this team made. How many fans actually felt like the odds of this team winning had improved based on the acquisitions and Cashman's wheeling and dealing? Because adding Carlos Rodon was great. It lengthened what really was a questionable rotation. And it gave them some much-needed pitching depth. And obviously when he's on, he's one of the best. But their problem... And what has bitten them in the past really has been their offense. And they really did nothing to ameliorate that. Are we asking a 22-year-old shortstop and Anthony Volpe to come in here and be the lightning jolt that this team needed? Is that fair? Was that a sound decision? Was it wise to come into this season? without a left fielder, knowing that Aaron Hicks was not the answer? Did that make any sense? Of course not. And then you listen to Aaron Boone, and he really has no answers. We got to find a way right now. This is, you know, we're going through a challenging time right now uh, offensively, and we got to dig ourselves out. So we can continue to talk about it. I continue to show you the card. <laughs> you know, we have a lot of confidence in the people that are going out there uh, right now, each and every night. We just got to get, we got to get them unlocked and untracked, and and it's it's all part of it. Going through a stretch where it's difficult, it's all part of the se- the big league season, and it's on us to, you know, kind of dig ourselves out and and get it going a little more offensively, obviously. So speaking of the card that he just alluded to, the back of the baseball card that everyone loves when they're looking for any glimmer of optimism. Is it too much to ask for Anthony Rizzo, who last year was second on this team in home runs, who we know was a key cog for a championship team? Too much to ask him to not just be awful? Is it too much to ask Stanton, a former league MVP, to not be a walking out 
Is it too much to ask Josh Donaldson, another former league MVP, to not just be putrid? Is it too much to ask DJ LeMayhew, a two-time, uh, he finished top two, top five twice in MVP during his Yankee tenure, a batting champion, too much to ask him not to be dreadful at the plate? How about Glaber Torres? Only 28. Should be in his prime right now. Who in year two had 38 home runs. Is it too much to ask him to just be focused and locked in both at the plate and on the field and not be too damn nonchalant? Especially when your team needs you most in the midst of what's been just horrid play on the field. And I can give you the numbers of those guys I just mentioned. Since the judge toe injury, Rizzo, 3 for 40. Donaldson, 4 for 29. Stanton, 4 for 38. LeMahieu, 5 for 31. Torres, 9 for 41. As a team, they're hitting below 200. That's not going to get it done, obviously. And for you to be this bad, because Aaron Judge isn't in the lineup, we think that that correction is going to come and it's going to be that dramatic where you go from hitting 195 as a team to you enter Aaron Judge and now you're back to being a contender. I just don't see it. Because we really have to now analyze what it is that we saw last year. Because maybe, just like with the Mets, this is an extension of what we saw a season ago. Because I posed the question to you, if not for an historic season by Judge, where he hit 62 home runs, what are the Yankees last year? Do they even make the playoffs? And he played a lot. So if he had missed any games, what were the Yankees last year if he had only hit 35 home runs? Because remember, it's it sounds better to... You know, properly phrase it as, well, they made the championship series. But what really happened was after they squeaked past the, the Cleveland Guardians, they won just as many games as those same Guardians after the division series, which was a total of zero. They got swept. So they really weren't that close to being uh, in championship contender. But I think what frustrates fans the most what enrages the base is that we're told you can't blame the manager because injuries. What do you expect him to do? You want him to go out there and yell at his players? You want him to publicly criticize them? You want him to start punching guys in the face? We also can't blame the GM because, well, at least they make the playoffs every year. We can't blame the owner because he spends a ton of money and does his best job to put a winning product out there every single season. So my question is, what the hell should we do then? Who should we criticize? Because the reality is that since the All-Star break of last year, I found this stat amazing. The Yankees, 77-74. and They are barely above 500 since the All-Star break last year. And now, the reason why I'm hot is because they just got swept by a team that is in last place in this division. Couldn't hit 
to save their lives with runners in scoring position last night 0 for 11. And now against that said last place team, the Red Sox, who we thought might have the easy victories come against, they've played them six times. They've won one game. So you go back to last year, and this falls on Cashman. They had a terrible trade deadline. Frankie Montas, Scott Efros, Andrew Benintendi, all hurt in the biggest games of the season. Feels like all of these assets that were sold high on tend to depreciate, Aaron Judge notwithstanding. Severino stinks, and I love hearing you know that the fastball felt better last night. So, yes, dramatic improvement going from being awful against the Mets to just bad against the Red Sox. Got to feel great about that. Nestor Cortez and Rodon both hurt. The offense right now, I gave you the numbers, a giant mess with underwhelming supposed stars. They're trash defensively. They don't have urgency or awareness. And I watched Josh Donaldson yesterday in a tie game get picked off of first base. And this is supposed to be your veteran leader who's going to provide some type of spark in your locker room. And you don't want me to holler about it because it makes me a spoiled Yankee fan? All my churchgoers will appreciate this line. The devil is a liar. 800-919-3776. So I want to hear from the Yankee fans. We've been sounding off all day on this station about where who, where you put the blame. Is it Cashman? Is it Boone? Is it the players, the owner? By the way, Hal Steinbrenner is going to join the K-Show on Wednesday at 4 p.m. So I'm looking forward to hearing what he has to say because you can't sit here and tell me that you are mortified by what's going on. It's unacceptable. This is not the Yankee way. And then not do anything about it. Because that's another place where the frustration derives from. This lack of accountability. Why did I watch the Yankees get swept by the Astros, lose to them in the playoffs again, only to have the GM, who has his job, is to put together a team that can beat the Astros, get an extension right after. So I, I, I am so excited to hear from the owner. So excited to hear from him. But I want to hear from you next. 800-919-3776. And on Twitter, at Ty D. Butler. We're going until midnight, and you can tell I'm hot. I'm hot. So let's do it together right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight. With Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer. On 98.7 ESPN. Give up a home run. In this game to uh, to Diaz, uh, so with the Mets, which we'll we'll get more into once this game goes final, I just don't know because it's like you you go from being super encouraged to wow, did we just lose another game that quickly? So I'm curious to see how Met fans will feel after this goes final because we are getting closer and closer to a place that I, collectively we are getting closer and closer because I've already been here to a place where I'm declaring that the Mets, they're dead. I, I think they're cooked, but we'll see what happens. This this would be a, a, a nice victory uh, against a Nationals team that, yes, is, is not as good as it has been in the past, and Jordan Alvarez is out for about a month with that oblique injury, and you know Altuve missed some time at the beginning of the season. They're a wild card team right now, but it's the Astros, and you go on the road with Scherzer putting together uh, a, a pretty good performance, 
it's one that you'll take. 800-919-3776. I threw this out on Twitter earlier this afternoon at at Ty D. Butler. And the question was, if I told you that significant changes would come if the Yankees missed the playoffs, what are you signing up for? And not all that shocking was 70% of the audience voting for missing the playoffs. And as I go through some of the mentions, there are some people who take exception to folks out here rooting for their team to miss the playoffs because it it in many ways does make you a bad fan. It, 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 it does, but the big picture is you're just looking for there to be some level of accountability because what you understand is the worst-case scenario used to be not winning a championship. Under George Steinbrenner, it was championship or bust. And I think that what re- that Kobe and Jordan had this. You do love winning, but you hate losing more than anything else. And I think that's what George Steinbrenner dealt with. That pain of losing caused him, for better or worse, to make just wholesale changes where you know he was emotional and he just didn't settle for anything less than what the standard was. Now we're being conditioned to think that you should just accept making the playoffs because it's harder to win championships now than ever before. And I, I frankly can't buy into that. But the fans who are voting for missing the playoffs just want to see change. And I don't necessarily think that they believe Cashman is a, a, a terrible GM or, or Boone is one of the worst managers in baseball. I think that they feel like the model that the Yankees are currently using just isn't working. And it's time to spice it up. If you simp- if you just if you give Boone the pink slip, Cashman's just gonna bring in his own guy who's similar to Boone. You're not getting Dusty Baker or any old timer to walk up in here and change the structure that is already in place. So where you really do see the type of impact that you're looking for is to cut the head of the snake. And that's Cashman, who has been given all of this authority because Steinbrenner trusts him. And he looks at this as a business, and he sees the Yankees put together winning season after winning season. They're always interesting. I think Jeter played one game in his career where the Yankees were mathematically eliminated. So that's, for many teams, a success. For the Yankees, it can't be. And if you're sitting here hoping for something different, I guess you have to root for them to miss the playoffs because that is that is the only path to me where you get a change in voice from top to bottom. So, yeah, it might make you a bad fan, but at least I can understand it. 800-919-3776. Lead-off hitter tonight on the program is Jose. We go to Brooklyn. Talk to me. Good morning. Good morning. Oh, well, actually, it's good evening. Good morning. Um, what's, what's, yeah, what sorry. time zone are you in? Um, in Brooklyn? Uh, what what are we doing? I am in Brooklyn, but I'm kind of getting ready for tomorrow. So, you know, just checking in with the Italian. Wanted to show the support and shout out to the company. And I wanted to answer your question because I definitely did answer the um, the Twitter poll question because I was one of those in favor of, you know, 
not making the playoffs and rooting for change. And it's kind of, and I, I know that it's you know possibly being a bad fan, but I'm one of those that I'm I, I'm one of I, I also look at it as I'm also looking out for what's best for my team. And because this cycle that's going on, it's not really working anymore and it's gotten to a point where like you said nobody is getting the blame how doesn't get the blame because he has the second highest payroll um cashman doesn't get the blame because he ends up making the signings and the trading and you know who you know and at the end of the day the players are on the field boone doesn't get the blame because he's the one that's listening like he's forced to listen to analytics and not go with the gut and you know always have you know have like Willie Calhoun at, at the fifth spot with, with running and scoring position, which is maddening. So I don't know like what what else is there to do as a Yankee fan because we've already screamed to the mountaintop and we got caught spoiled and we got caught. So what else is there for us to what what else is there for us to root for, Ty? Yeah, listen, it, it, it's the question of the evening, and I appreciate the call, Jose. Appreciate you checking in before getting ready for tomorrow. What else is it to look forward to? What else is it for you to gravitate toward? It's what Boone is selling in that cut that I played earlier, and it's the the whole back of the base back of the baseball card thing, where we've seen Rizzo have success here and hit a ton of home runs. We've seen Stanton go on a rampage. We've seen LeMahieu winning a batting title. We've seen Gleyber Torres hit thirty eight home runs in a season. We've seen Donaldson win an MVP. Uh, we're hoping to see Volpe mature, and you know it's just getting worse and worse. He's now hitting under 190, but they are banking on there is going to just like there's a regression to the mean, there can also be a progression to the mean. That's what they're selling us, and that's what they're hoping for. In addition to guys returning like Bader, who should be back tomorrow when the Yankees kick off that series against the Mariners. Judge will eventually be back, and you know Rodon will come back, and you know all uh, uh, Loisica will will be formidable at some point later in the season. That'll help your bullpen. So they're looking for and Severino. Eventually, he's going to figure it out. But the the further we go down the line with all of these question marks, it's similar to bullpenning, where it's like, are we really expecting nine guys to all have it? That that's that's the the method we're choosing. Feels like that with, with the Yankee roster right now. All of these question marks we're really expecting to be answered in a positive light. Like Judge is going to come back and be great immediately. Stanton's going to find it. Donaldson's going to find it. Rizzo's going to find it. LeMahieu's going to find it. It's going to start to click defensively. All the pitchers are going to get healthy and pitch well. Uh, it, it's, it's pie in the sky at this point. Pie in the sky. We head to Limbrook. To talk to Jerry. What up, Jerry? Hey, Ty. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, and, and really loved the show. Um, I'm a I'm a lifelong Yankee fan. I'm 43 years old. Um, I you know I, am I happy the Yankees just got swept by Boston? Of course not. You know, um, but I I think Yankee fans need to chill out, not press the panic button. Baseball of all sports, it's a marathon. You know. Um, I'm not going to get too worked up off of a small a small sample size of 12 games of Judge not being here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, your question whether I would take the Yankees either making the playoffs or 
have them missing it and having, um, you know, some major changes happening. I think it's crazy to not go with the, I want, I'd rather take the playoffs. That means that we have a playoff team that, you know, won enough games. And like you said earlier, you know, anything happens. Um, right, let you know, me ask you a question, Jerry, because you, you, sure. you sound like a, a, a bright fan, and I appreciate you making the call. But when you, when you say that you, you want to dismiss the sample size because it's too small to be significant, how about yeah. one that goes back to last year's All-Star break that has the Yankees at 77 and 74? So that as great as Judge is, and he might be, I would argue, the best player in baseball, even with an historic season, last year they weren't good enough. And now we're spanning, what, 151 games where they're three games above 500 since last year's All-Star break? That sample, that sample size ain't small, my G. You know, I I don't I I see baseball in a different light when comparing it to say football and basketball where it's it's nine nine players on the field, you know, judge bats once every nine at bats. I'm I'm not diminishing and not saying that sure he doesn't make a difference. Of course he does, but I just don't see baseball as that type of a sport where, you know, you've had those years where Mike Trout has had amazing years and the Angels don't even sniff the playoffs. Um, I, I, I just I don't see baseball as that type of sport. It's not football where if you have a Tom Brady type of a quarterback. No, I get that, Jerry. But so what do you see that that has you still feeling optimistic because you know you're not going to overreact to yeah. what we're watching? What is it that you see that you're holding on to? I think the the larger sample size of uh, and I'm looking at the collective years. I mean, the Yankees are always in the middle of it. And about a week ago, the Yankees may have had, I think, what, maybe the seventh best record in all of baseball. I mean, you know, it, yeah, sure. You know, we're four and eight in the last 12 games and that's not the greatest, but you know, 12 games is not, you know, 12 games ago, we were in a sweet spot and, you know, we can go now eight and four in the next 12 games and kind of right. I mean, listen, we're in the AL East. It's, it, you know, it's the, the 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 toughest division in baseball. I mean, we're beating up on each other. Um, the Red Sox, yeah, they're in last place, but the Red Sox, I mean, are above a 500 team. Yeah, they're because they capable. play the Yankees six times and they won five of six. <laughs> That's why they're above 500. And I look, I'm up against the clock. I appreciate your call, Jerry. Yeah. Man, and anytime oh, you want to call, call in. Uh, but we just disagree. I, I can't look at just the 12 games. I gave you 151 games. I gave you the entirety of of the season. I've, we've gone years and years, and you can you can we can discuss to what degree you feel the Yankees have been successful because maybe it's not just judged on championships, but the reality is, man, 14 years without a World Series appearance, and now we're in the thick of just something that is ugly. Uh, it definitely does bear talking about what the future looks like for this team and overall how we evaluate the general manager. 800-919-3776. Back to your phone calls. At the top of the hour, we're going to hit some basketball. So line them up. Tidy Butler on Twitter and Instagram. We're going until midnight tonight on 98.7 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. Chantel, one of you. What what is like the the rule as far as like when you can publicly discuss shows? Like how long 
does that show need to have been over in order for you to to go on here and talk about it without being ridiculed because you were spoiling it? Did it is there a timeline or is, is there a time frame? Because I really, really would love to give my thoughts on Succession. Uh, I think if the show has been out for a while and even another episode has come out the week after, I think that's a good time. So not if it came out. Originally originally released June 3rd, 2018, wrapped up a couple weeks ago, May 28th, 2023. So I won't spoil it. People are still getting into it. Look, I just finished it today. I will say well-written show. And the finale, despite the fact that it wasn't what I was rooting for, it's a succession, a show about like who succeeds. I won't give anything away. I'll try to talk around it. Wasn't wasn't the ending I was hoping for, but it was spectacular. Got your last nice little ninety minute final episode. So it's four seasons, ten episodes each, an hour an hour long. And that final episode just left you I mean, edge of your seat. It was riveting. There's there's a lot of, you know, change happening that you might not have expected. I actually knew what was going to happen. I just didn't know how it was going to be that way just because social media ruined it for me. And you try your best to avoid spoilers, but it's really hard because you're scrolling on Twitter and on Instagram and, you you know, you're listening to people and it, and it just kind of spills. You're in different group chats and it kind of just spills out. But... I was able to finish it today. What a show. And I, I, I gave it credit because I'm, I'm a harsh critic of how writers, directors end shows. I think it's underrated tough ending a really good show. And the last two shows I've watched, Better Call Saul and Succession, I thought were really good at, at their endings. And I, I, I just want to talk about it. But happened happened just recently so i don't want to ruin it for anyone and i don't want anyone to be mad at me on twitter at ty d butler on twitter by the way the mets are now up 11 to 1 so it's become a laugher in minute maid park and i always take joy in watching the astros lose they beat the yankees far too many times Uh, 2015 2017 2019 2022 so four different playoff runs in the last eight years have ended uh, courtesy of the Astros. So anytime you get an opportunity to pull up to a seat, put them on your television, and watch them get spanked, you take joy in it. And for the match tonight, uh, I mentioned Scherzer well, was really good. Eight innings, gave up just one run, four hits, eight strikeouts. That one run was a home run off uh, uh, off of the bat of Diaz in the seventh inning. But the offense is what you imagine. Now, you can't Expect 11 runs, but you know Lindor hitting a three-run shot, also having a two-run double. Vogelback got the Mets on the board early with with a home run, and when you acquired him at the deadline, you were looking at his power. You didn't necessarily think he would look for or hit for average, but the power numbers you felt would be there. Marte, who was really good for you uh, up uh, up until the injury last year, you know he got on the board with an RBI single. McNeil, who Won a batting title, had an RBI. So the Mets, throughout this this losing streak, haven't really been deprived of offense. It's been their pitching. It's been their their rotation and their bullpen. Yesterday was Adovino who gave it up. 
And, you know, that, that continued to be an issue. But tonight, everything working on, on all cylinders. They're up 11-1. The Astros are three outs away from losing this game. 800-919-3776. Back to the phone lines we go. We'll stay in Manhattan and talk to a guy who loves to talk. He loves history. He loves it all. Richard in Manhattan. What up, Richard? Ty. The Yankees are always, I'm hearing on other shows, it doesn't matter the name, I don't want to get into saying who said this, that's not my point. My point is purely numerical, numbers. I don't know if you'll understand what I'm saying, but I'll tell you guys. I heard today that the Yankees are saying, judge batting second instead of third or fourth, he gets up 45 times more a year. And, And the public just accepts this. Okay, they just accept it because nobody's thinking. First of all, there's a big difference between batting fourth and batting third compared to second. All right, I'll explain it to you. Each slot in the batting order is one-ninth the chance that you get one more at bat. In other words, if you bat eighth instead of seventh, you'll get more at bats batting seventh. Now, if you project that over a 140-game season, which Judge rarely plays... One-ninth of 145 games is about 16 more at-bats from one slot up. So, in other words, if he bats second instead of third, the average should be 16. He could get 20 or he can get 12. Now, if he bats second instead of fourth, it shoots up to 32, and that can be 24 or 40. Richard. But it's not 45, Richard. as I heard on another show, from one slot to the other. Richard. Yes. I need you to get me to where you're taking me. We're, like, well, we're still, we, we, it feels we, like we're, we're running between first and second. Are, in other words, pitchers pitching eight pitches an inning and not going a second inning because analytics say pitchers shouldn't start uh, an, an inning, uh, should only start that inning because they're better, they're record, uh, they're, the, the uh, numerical numbers show that they're better starting in it that's baloney i don't believe any of it i don't believe any of this analytics we're being we're being told they're lying to us in other words why shouldn't judge bat lead off then all the time you'll get more at bats than batting second explain to me that ty just give me your answer to that so here's the thing i no, no, I, answer my question why, why should... isn't judge batting lead off if the object of the game is to get more at bats, and it's only sixteen to twenty more at bats per one up, uh, why Richard, is anybody How is it leader? that you ask me a question, and as Go I start ahead. answering the question, you okay, cut me ahead. off? So I need Go you ahead. to I'm let sorry. me answer the question. Go ahead. The, the the easiest answer to that is that judge, you you typically would want him to come up immediately in an RBI situation. So in theory and ideally, if he's batting second, yes, you're trying to maximize the number of at-bats he gets by putting him up in the lineup, but you would love for a guy to get on in front of him because he's one of, if not the best, home run hitter in baseball. So that would be my explanation for that. Let me just interrupt. That only happens in the first inning, and the odds of the guy getting up on base before him in the first inning are three to one, four to one. If he's a two, okay, but it's still better than than uh, no odds at all, Richard. Okay, but <laughs> he's going to get up sixteen to twenty times more if he's batting first, 
and you're telling me he's batting second instead of third because he's getting up No, more. I'm telling you that, that that would be, and I, I appreciate the call, Richard. I'm up against the break. I don't want to do an hour on, you know, why Judge is batting first and not second. Judge is not even playing. But uh, I'm, I'm telling you what the rationale would be. I, I don't have the answer as to why the Yankees are doing that and, and you know, putting their lineups out the way that they are. There is a, a, there, there is an aversion to analytics, which I understand can be frustrating because there are a lot of numbers involved and we're so used to just being able to watch sports and understand it in a certain way. I don't necessarily share that same aversion to analytics. I love numbers. I love the use of stats. I just I, I just reject the idea that the analytics are never are, are never wrong. That, you know, you, you keep doing the same thing because the numbers tell you that at some point they're gonna work out. I do miss the art of managers in baseball having some gut and doing things that deviate from what the numbers would tell you in certain situations. I don't love that analytics has permeated the sport so much that it, it, it's it's a notebook and that you can just stick Julian in the Yankee dugout and the Yankees are still going to win 99 games. 800-919-3776. Back to your phone calls in a moment right here on 98.7 ESPN.